to do that. We have been looking the past several weeks uh, at the second sudden coming of Christ. Next Sunday, if the Lord allows, I want to preach a special message. I've only shared one time that I know of uh, in uh, 30, 34 years of full-time ministry. I want to talk about a place called heaven. I want to talk about what the Bible actually says about heaven. We were uh, pondering, Gene and I were pondering yesterday, uh, if God did such a good job on the earth in six days, all the beautiful things he has created, uh, the Lord's been gone a long time preparing a place for us. And the Bible says that your wildest imagination, your wildest heart's imagination cannot even grasp the things that God has prepared for us, and I believe it's going to be a great place. As I believe it's going to be a wonderful place. I don't believe that we'll be floating on a cloud playing a uh, harp. Uh, we'll probably be rocking on a cloud playing a uh, Les Paul. And those of you that know what a Les Paul is, you get my drift. But uh, I don't think heaven's going to be a calm place. I think heaven's going to be a place of excitement and life. And I don't want to miss what God has prepared for me. He knows us. He knows what we'd like to do. He knows what we'd like to be involved in, and he is preparing a place for us. We've been looking at the book of Revelation, which many people uh, are, are afraid to read the book because there are so many parallels and so, so many examples. And, and if you go through the book of Revelation, you can actually find where the Bible talks about helicopters. You can find where it talks about nuclear warfare. Uh, it talks about genocide, so many things throughout the Bible that prophetically declare uh, what's going to take place in the last days. And this book was written by the apostle that Jesus loved. And in the Lord's Supper, John's uh, head is on the bosom of Christ. John was one of the three favorites the Lord took with him. Uh, John was boiled in oil and survived. Boiled in oil and survived. And there's a reason that uh, he survived. Pastor Rhonda was mentioned the faithfulness of Todd and David and Richard and Keith and Austin and Angel and so many that uh, have your back. Uh, I, I don't know if many of you realize when a storm comes, it like wrecks our church. And so we all shift into gear and we try to make the place ready and presentable. And I thank God for surrounding me with so many men and, and ladies that I can trust, have confidence in. So is the life of John. Let me explain, if I may, that when uh, the 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 uh, procedure or the 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 law of the day of Christ was that when the dad died, the oldest son was given a double portion to take care of mom. That was the standard of that day. That was the practice of that day. And many of you know that Jesus was the firstborn. He was the eldest son, and we know that his mom was alive at the time of crucifixion. We know that mom. And Mary Magdalene and John the Beloved followed, followed Jesus as he was carrying his cross, was there at the cross, saw him die. And many of you remember one of these statements from the cross before Jesus died. He looked at his mom and said, Mom, behold your son. And he looked at John and said, Son, behold your mother. There was a transference of responsibility. There was a transference of, of favor upon John because John did not abandon Jesus in the garden, did not abandon him at the whipping post or the cross, was there for the entire journey. And because he was there, Jesus gave John the responsibility of taking care of his mom because he was going to die. And if you'll look at the life of John from that day forward, John was the only disciple 
that was not murdered for his testimony. They attempted to boil him in oil. He did not die, which I can't even grasp that. I can't even grasp that, watching someone being boiled in oil and, and, and living and, and surviving. Uh, he was placed on the Isle of Patmos, which was actually a, a beautiful island in the uh, Mediterranean area. And uh, John wrote uh, the, the Gospel of John, and then John wrote three letters, and then John wrote the book of Revelation. The first three chapters of the book of Revelation mentions the word church 19 times. And then after Revelation, the last verse in Revelation 3, you will not find the church mentioned again in the entire book of Revelation. We believe that Revelation 4 and 1, a voice like a trumpet says, come up hither. We believe that is the rapture of the church, and we believe that everyone who has ever lived or died that gave their heart to Christ, we believe that they will be transformed. Uh, the incorruptible will, re the corruptible will receive incorruption. The mortal will receive immortality. That means that anybody that's ever died and buried as a Christian, their literal cells are going to come back together, and they are going to go to meet the Lord in the air. The Bible says there's no marriage in heaven, but the Bible says we will be known there as we are known here. And I thought that was very interesting that I don't know if we'll all be 30. That would be a good eternal age. A lot of good things happened when I was 30 but uh, or 35. Uh, uh, those who want to be a little bit more mature. I don't know what our age will be, but I, I know that the body that we, we have will never decay, will never get old, and we will eat of the tree of life. And I'll talk about that next week. When we, when we talk about heaven and the things that are in heaven, and I, let, me, let me just back up and just not finish that thought because I don't want to tap into next week. I think next week is going to be phenomenal. If you remember uh, in Revelation 1 when it talks about Jesus, his hair is white as snow. Uh, on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection, when he walked with the disciples, they didn't recognize him. Uh, there is a medical term called hematidosis, and it has to do with the sweat glands bursting and mixing with the blood cells, and actually the sweat, the perspiration actually becomes blood, and the hair goes through a shock process where overnight hair can turn white. In World War II, when they put the Jews in the concentration camps and in the, in the, in the areas of the showers, the Jews didn't know whether gas was coming out of the shower or water was coming out of the shower, and many of them overnight became white-headed. I believe the price that he paid in the garden, the hematidosis, as the sweat glands burst, I believe it affected his hair, and I believe his hair now is white as snow, and that will be a crown that he will wear forever to signify to you and I how much he not just loves us, but how much the areas of the mind that he wants to heal, he wants to restore. He wants to touch every single area of our life, and not just physically and spiritually and financially, but mentally. Depression is the number one illness in the nation today. Two out of five Americans are medicated through some form of bipolar, uh, depression, uh, manic, all of that. And I believe that you can be healed without medicine. I believe you can be healed without prescriptions. I believe that the blood of Jesus, the crown of thorns, paid for your mental healing, that your mind can be renewed and you can think the thoughts of Christ. And when you're struggling, the Bible says, what's the things are pure lovely, true. If there be any virtue, think on these things, and the God of peace will join you and surround you and give you a new mind, a new heart, a new spirit, and one day a new body. Aren't you thankful for that? Had I known that at the age of 61 my body was not going to respond like it did when I was 30, 
I probably would have taken better care of my body. And I'm telling those of you that are younger today, you're only going to have one body. You're only going to have one set of teeth. You're only going to have this. You, you need to take care of it just in case the Lord prolongs his, his coming. The rapture could take place, I believe, with the exception of a world revival. And look in the book of Revelation, there will be uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. The Bible talks about a number that no man can number that will be saved during the great tribulation. Those that will refuse the mark, many will be beheaded for their testimony. Others will be tortured and murdered. But the Bible talks about a great, a great revival, a great restoration. Scholars believe it could be before the rapture, but the word says that when the earth uh, hears the gospel and through satellite television, I think they have now determined there are 193 nations in the world. Chris, am I close? Is that... Is that close to 190-something, 196? And you and Susan have been to 93 of them. She's still got some more traveling <laughs> to do. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, uh, I've been to Polk County. Does that count? Uh, I've been to Polk County. Uh, as, we, as we look, and I just wanted to bring reference to the seven churches found in the book of Revelation because I believe that those churches are upon the face of the earth today. I believe as you look at these seven different, not necessarily denominations, but seven different types of service, seven different types of worship. And, of course, we ask the question, what kind of church is Church of the Harvest? Let me very quickly tell you about the seven churches that are alive in the, upon the face of the earth today. The first church is Ephesus. It means desirable. But the Lord said to this church, you have lost your first love. Let me tell you something, that's easy to do in, in, in marriage, in life, in any area of your life. You can get so much in a routine or a pattern that you actually forgot what brought you back to the things of God. And I remember when I recommitted my heart to the Lord, it was like, Chris, I went to every Bible study, every revival. Uh, I, I hung around prayer groups. I mean, I had to be doing something every single night of the week. Saturday night, two or three of us would go to Bob's Big Boy and we drink about three pots of coffee. Then we go to the church and we pray all. I can, re I can remember people coming in the church Sunday morning. We've been there all night long. I won't tell you some of the crazy things that we practiced in prayer. We tried to, we tried to uh, beam up Pastor Rhonda from Cleveland to California. We got a chair out. We anointed it. We, did a, we, did a, we, cast, we cast demons out of microphones. I mean, man, we flat. But, but there was a hunger there. There was a, there was a love there. There was a zeal there. And if we're not careful, especially those of us that have been serving the Lord a long time, it's easy sometimes to lose that zeal. Even in your marriage, it's easy. In your job, it's easy sometimes to lose that zeal. And here's what the Lord's saying to the church. You're a good church, but you've lost your first love. Don't get so uh, involved in doing the church's work that you forget the work of the church, and that is spreading the gospel, loving the Lord, and being a part of that. The second church the Bible talks about is Smyrna, and we believe this is the church that will go through the great tribulation. I believe there will be thousands upon thousands of backslidden Christians that when they begin to see, obviously, the signs of the rapture, of rape, there's no, there's no perchance. It's, it's a definite word. Things are definitely going to happen. And when that happens, many that, are, that you know that are away from the Lord, that have served the Lord at one time or another, they're going to come back to the Lord, and they're going to be persecuted. The, the word Smyrna means myrrh, 
and that's a gift given at the time of death. It was given to Jesus and placed in the tomb. It is a it is a, a poultice that is just for death. This church will probably die during the Great Tribulation. Pergamos means height or elevation, and this is a church that has pursued the worldly uh, accolades, the, 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 the worldly favor. Uh, it's a church that's not focused on the things of God, but it's a church focused on buildings and, and money and wealth, and the Lord warns this church. Then we look at Thyatira. There, that, that simply means sweet smell. It is a church of worship. It is a church that's dabbling just a little bit with false doctrine. And then we look at the, the church of Sardis, which means the prince of joy. And this is a church that has lost their faith, and they're into ritualism. Now, I have been to uh, several different, um, without offending anybody, I remember my visit to the Roman Catholic service I enjoyed the, the liturgy. I enjoyed the incense. I, I, I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed the, 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 the policies they walked through. But a lot of churches, it's all about ritual, and it's all about format, and the Lord warns the last days that church would be involved. Then the church of Philadelphia, which I hope that we are the church of Philadelphia. This is the church that means brotherly love. They're, they're commended on the evangelism and their missions. Jesus said, go ye into all the world in Jerusalem, Judea, uttermost parts. So this is the church that takes care of ministries at home and not afraid to send money overseas to ministries elsewhere. And then there's the church of Laodicea, which means lukewarm. He said, I'll have you hot. I'd have you cold. Don't be, don't be, don't be beige. Don't be normal. Don't be, don't be, don't sit, stand on the fence very long. That church has has lost obviously their love for God, and it says your material riches has blinded you of your faith. So never let us walk in the prosperity of the Lord and be so blessed that we forget that thousands upon thousands are dying and they're going to hell without the revelation of Jesus Christ. The seven churches. 19 times again in Revelation, the first three chapters, and then never again. Never again in the entire book of Revelation. And we ponder why, and I, and I believe the reason for that pondering is that there's a transition that we go from church to bride. We actually become the bride of Christ, and we'll be involved in a wedding that will take place for seven years. And during the seven years, there will be a season of tragedy upon this world never before and never again. The world will literally, eventually, the new heaven and the new earth will take place of the old heaven, the old earth. I believe I can show you that it's going to be destroyed by nuclear warfare, literally, completely obliviated, and all life will cease to exist except what God practices and takes care of. In this this seven-year window we find in the Old Testament, the Bible refers to this seven-year window as, I'll be very quick here so just know, that what I'm sharing this morning is backed up by the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, the distress, the day of Israel's calamity, the indignation, Isaiah, the overflowing scourge, the Lord's unusual act, the year of recompense. In Jeremiah, the day of the Lord's vengeance, the time of Jacob's trouble. You remember Jacob worked seven years for a wife, and they worked seven years for another wife. The 70th week of Daniel from the book of Daniel, the time of trouble, the day of darkness, the day of gloominess, the day of clouds and thick darkness, the day of wrath, the day of distress, the day of devastation and desolation, and Zephaniah, the day of the trumpet and alarm. These are all Old Testament references to what we're referring to as the Great Tribulation. In the New Testament, it's referred to as the Great Tribulation by Jesus, the tribulation, the wrath to come, the day of the Lord, the wrath, the hour of trial, 
the, the great day of the wrath of the Lamb of God, the hour of judgment, and the wrath of God. Uh, eight references there in the New Testament concerning this, uh, this seven-year window, which will probably begin with the disappearance of 150 million born-again Christians just in America alone. 150 million of us will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Every cemetery, every grave is going to burst. Every, every, every cemetery is going to be visited, and the graves of those that died with the Lord are going to burst open, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. He will not put his foot down at, at Israel, but he will meet us in the air, and then we will join him, and we will be with him for seven years. Then we'll come back on white horses. How exciting is that? And we'll have, a, we'll have a sword in our hand, and we'll be involved in the battle of Armageddon and the, and the battle of Gog and Magog. And that day, sin will be dealt with, hell will be dealt with, the devil will be dealt with forever and forever. And we will never deal with iniquity or tragedy or hurt or pain or worry or fear or sickness or death or aggravation ever again. Does that excite anybody in the house that we're part of? The reason I felt it was important for you to, to be aware of uh, what's going to take place after the rapture of the church, even though that, that we are not going to be here, I think it's important that you need to know, first of all, that there is a blessing attached to studying the book of Revelation. Twice it mentions that there's a blessing when you study it, when you read it. I think we need to know what's going to take place. I think we need to know what's going on. And as I begin to share some of the things that's going to take place in the last days, it's ironic, and ironic is probably a not a good word. Uh, to me, it is, it, is a pheno- it is a phenomenon that Hollywood has visited so many of these areas that the Bible talks about in the last days. And I think there's a brand-new movie out now called Independence Day. Has that just been released? Where, again, it talks about a visitation from another planet, world devastation when you look at uh, the zero what was the the war the war the war of the world hg wells it's like this world is ready in expectation for a visitation from another planet if someone was to rush in this building right now at this very moment and say there's a ufo in the parking lot most of us would head out that door to see the ufo a few of us would get under a chair and hide Where's my under the chair and hide people? Where are you? Where, where are you? I mean, I don't, I don't want close encounters of a third kind. I don't want ET. I don't want cocoon. I don't want, I don't want any. I don't want any of that stuff. But I believe it's going to take place, and I believe that's how the Antichrist is going to explain away the rapture of the church and how preparing the world for another visit actually try to arm the earth to fight heaven. How ludicrous is that? There will be three visitations of God's wrath upon the earth in that seven-year window, and they are in three forms. The, third, the first form is in the area of seals. If you're not familiar with seals in the day of the Old Testament and the day of Jesus, when something important was put on papyrus on paper, they would roll it up, and they would take hot wax, and they would seal where, where the edge came around. They would, they would put hot wax there, and then they would take their ring, their signet of authority, and while the wax is still hot, and they would put their ring on that on that seal, and that eliminated almost anybody from opening that seal. It had to be opened by someone in authority or someone in leadership. And when they got ready to open the seals, they could find no man was worthy to take the book except Jesus Christ, the Lamb 
of a, of a, the, that was slain from the foundation of the world, he was worthy to open the seals. And as each one of these, it's one, it's one scroll, but it's in seven different divisions. And as each seal is broken, a different calamity is introduced to the earth. The first seal is open, and there will be a white horse. And this white horse represents the Antichrist. This, this Antichrist will eventually have the ability to communicate telepathically. He will have the ability to call down fire from heaven. He will have the ability to raise the dead. He will, he will come with the message of peace. He will enter into uh, Israel, and he will begin a seven-year treaty with Israel. The West Bank will be solved. The problems of Israel will be solved for about three and a half years, and he will begin to bring nations together. There will be a, a, an alliance of 10 different nations, which probably involves the European conflict, which is going to be uh, obviously uh, France, Germany, uh, England, Ireland, and, and as best as we can tell, because there's no mention of America during this window, America will be probably so devastated and so, and so ripped apart by the rapture of the church, they will join in with the Antichrist. He will bring 10 nations of the world in alliance. They will make a, it will make a treaty with uh, Israel. And in the middle of that treaty, three and a half years in that treaty, he will do something to desecrate their temple. They will probably rebuild a temple. They may even begin to start sacrificing animals again. We're not sure about all that. But whatever temple that the Israelites build in this three and a half years of peace, the Antichrist is going to do something to desecrate it, possibly setting up his own image in the Holy of Holies and demanding that Israel worships him. But there's the first horse represents the, the, the horse of the Antichrist, and he will rally the nations of the world together. His ultimate goal is to fight the king of glory when he returns to Israel, when he returns to Jerusalem. The second seal is broken, and there will be a red horse. And this horse represents war. And the Bible says that nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, it will, it will be like there will be uh, war almost in every single country of the world that this red, red rider introduces war to the world. The third horse is black, and this is, the, this is the, the seal of famine. And this horse will bring starvation to such a degree that it said a piece of bread. Let me, let me see what the Bible says. A day's wage will buy a quart of wheat. A day's wage will buy a quart of wheat. That's the hunger. That's the starvation. And they begin to eat dove's dung. They begin to eat animal dung. The nations of the world begin to starve. And in the midst of all this, there will be a pale horse, and this horse's name is death, and he will bring a war, he will bring a war that in one window, one-fourth of the world's population will die in this war, one-fourth of the world. So if we're looking at 15 billion people upon the face of the earth, if there's that many, one-fourth, however many people are upon the, the, the world, how many, Chris, 5 billion or 15? Anybody? What, whatever that is, one-fourth of that number will die in this war. The fifth seal will be broken, and, there, and that's where the number that no man can number, there will be thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians that will be murdered for their testimony. They refuse to take the mark in their hand, on their forehead. It's not a tattoo. It's probably some kind of implant that identifies who you are, your social security number, or whatever that, that, that might be. But there will be thousands, and there could possibly be, knock on wood somebody, I hope that no one listening to this message is one of those that, that survived 
the tribulation and lose their life. I, I, I would rather see you transported out of here by the sudden coming than for you to give up your life and to be beheaded or to be tortured. Do I have an amen in the, do I have an amen in, in, in the building? The, there's a sixth uh, seal, and there's going to be an earthquake to such a degree that the stars are going to fall out of the sky and land upon the earth. During the time of this great earthquake, God is going to anoint from every tribe of Israel, 12 tribes, 12,000 evangelists, 12 times 12, there will be 144,000 anointed, spirit-filled missionaries that will begin to touch the world, begin to teach that the, that the, the gospel of Jesus is the only way into heaven, and there will be thousands upon thousands upon thousands that will give their heart to the Lord during this window. The seventh trumpet, the, the, the seventh seal will be broken, and all this will do is that it will introduce a period of 30 minutes of silence. There'll be a, there'll be a window of 30 minutes, minutes of silence that there'll be nothing spoken in heaven. Most scholars uh, comment that it's just, it's just kind of in shock and awe of what's about to take place, not what's already. We've lost one-fourth of the world's population. We've got war. We've got famine. We've got the Antichrist. But there's going to be such horror in the next several visitations that there's 30 minutes of silence. So the seventh seal introduces the first trumpet. The first trumpet will sound, and when the first trumpet sounds, a mountain of hail weighing over 100. The Bible says they will weigh 100 pounds in weight. They will be on fire, and when they fall, one-third of the entire of the, of the earth's vegetation will be destroyed. One-third of all of the forests, all of the crops, all of the meadows, all of the will literally be destroyed. The second uh, trumpet will sound, and there will be a burning mountain that will fall into the sea. Many believe this burning mountain may or may not be a nuclear bomb, but it will destroy one-third of all the oceans of the world. The, th the, thir the third trumpet will sound, and there will be a star called Wormwood that will fall upon the earth, and one-third of all the rivers in the entire world will become uh, des desecrated and void. The water become bitter, and a lot of people are going to die from drinking the, uh, the water. The fourth trumpet will sound, and the sun and the moon and the stars will refuse to shine, and there will be not, not 20, there not, won't be 12 hours of daybreak, daylight. There'll be six hours of daylight as people are staggering around in the darkness. And the Bible says they continue in their murders, in their drugs, in their sexual promiscuality, and in what was the, what was the other one? False doctrine. That all this is going on. People still try to pursue things like that. The fifth trumpet, hell will open up and there will be locusts released. The Bible says these locusts have the, the, the face like a man, the armor of a warrior. They'll have the ability to sting like a scorpion. And for five months, there's a window of five months when the Bible says there is no death. So in this five-month period of being haunted by these creatures from hell, you can't die. People begin to hide their face from God, hide their face from the world, find caves, find dens, and ask actually for the, for the, for the mountain to fall upon them to hide them from these demonic priests, for these demonic uh, entities. Sixth trumpet, horsemen of 200 million angels will visit the earth and one-third of the world's population will die in this war. 200 million angels. The seventh trumpet will sound, and this is just an, Am I boring anybody today? The, uh, the seventh trumpet will sound, and all this trumpet does is introduce the uh, seven vials. The vial, if you'll see, like a, like, a, uh, like a cup or a bowl, 
and symbolic here. These vials are going to be poured out upon the earth. There, there are seven of them. The first vial that's poured out, I believe it's going to be something like, um, oh, what's the, um, what did Aunt Shirley have? Hing- not shingles. Shingles. The, the Bible says this, that, that those that follow the, the mark of the beast, those that have the mark of the beast will be tormented by these sores, and these sores will cover them from the top of their head to the bottom of the feet. So everyone that's taken the mark of the beast will be sought out and sores will be found upon them. The second vial will be poured out into the ocean and everything, say, look at somebody say everything. Everything in the ocean is destroyed. All aquatic life, all the reefs, everything we know about the ocean will be, rest- will be destroyed. The third vial is poured out. Uh, every river, look at somebody say every. Every river of the world will turn into blood. Everything in the river will die. The water becomes undrinkable. And then, then there's, a, there's a war just to provide water. There was a movie not too long ago. Was it Mad Max with Mel Gibson was the original? It was a holocaust where they had no water and they were dying just for a cup of water. It's ironic sometimes, Keith, that, that some of the, how Hollywood has taken some of this theme and they've actually put it into their, into their movies. The fifth vial will be, or the fourth vial will be poured out and the sun will scorch men. They'll be sunburned. They'll, they'll, get, they'll get poisoning because the sun will be so hot. And then the fifth, the fifth vial, everything turns dark. There's absolutely no light. There's no sun. There's no moon. There's nothing to direct the steps of men. And the Bible says, in this window, men still do not repent. The sixth um, uh, vial will be poured out, and the Euphrates River from the north to the south will be dried up. And this will allow the army of 200 million from China to, to begin to march. They will actually march down this riverbed. It'll be, it'll be completely dried up. And out of this dried river, there are three uh, symbolic demonic spirits that, spirits that kind of look like frogs. And these demonic spirits will actually, again, tell mankind to do whatever they want. The sky is the limit. Of course, half the world now is destroyed. Half the people of the world are dead. The seventh uh, vial will be poured out, and there will be an earthquake. The Bible says, not like has ever been known before, nor ever again. Every mountain will disappear. Every island will vanish, and the world will completely be in disarray. But aren't you glad that you and I are not going to be a part of that window? We're not going to be a part of that journey. Give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. I, um, I, I want to I conclude with this thought or this truth. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There's no other name. There's no other deity. There's no other authority. I heard someone say, who was quite wealthy, at quite a large church that said, there are several paths to Jesus. Uh, I disagree. There's one path to Jesus, and that's by repentance. Uh, whether you hug a tree or whether you are into a horoscope or whether you're into the Kabbalah or whatever you might be into, there's not several paths to Jesus. There's only one path to Jesus. The Bible says there's no salvation in any other that men should be saved, that the name of Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. I'm so glad this morning that I'm not God for a lot of reasons. 
first of all, I wouldn't want to feed all those sparrows. That sounds depressing. Just, just feeding the sparrows alone would be depressing. But there's going to come a day when God's going to say, you go left, you go right. You go left, you go right. God loves the sinner. God hates sin. I think it would be very dangerous for us to have the mindset, well, I'm going to go ahead and sin tonight because tomorrow I can go and repent and everything will be forgiven. And I know we, we say, how ludicrous is that? How ridiculous is that? And again, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna name anything other than the truth. One out of every one out of every five people in the world are Catholic. And every day people go to the priest, they confess their sins, and they do the beads, they do the Hail Marys, their the, our our fathers, and they are forgiven to go the next day and live their life as they please. That's a dangerous way to live your life. I remember and, and some of you that have been around me for a while, you you know me. Whenever we would begin to uh, um, drink or smoke pot or whatever, for some reason, Karen, the preacher always came out in me. And we'd be sitting around in a circle smoking a joint. I said, guys, you know, if the rapture took place right now, we'd all we'd miss it. We'd, we'd, and, and then we were driving down the road. We'd be wasting. I said, you know what? If we got in a wreck, Gene, and died, we'd all go to hell. I'd, and my friends would say, Man, you're bumming me. You're bumming me out. We're gonna we're gonna drop you off at Sally's and leave you at Sally's, and we're gonna go and we're gonna go we're gonna go party. But I just I just I just want you to know, there's no other name under heaven. There's only one name, and I think that this is my personal opinion. Can I tell you my personal opinion? Three times has the enemy tried to destroy an entire generation. Three times. The first was in Egypt when the, the male Hebrew children were thrown into the river to feed the crocodiles. That was the first time. The second time is when the soldiers went to Bethlehem and killed all the babies. For the Egypt, there was a Moses. For Bethlehem, there was a Messiah. In 1972, with Roe versus Wade, we have effectively eliminated an entire generation. If God visited Moses and God visited Bethlehem, God will visit America. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. I believe that. Gen so here's, here's, this is just my synopsis. This is not uh, backed by the word of God. This is not backed by any theology. This is just my study and my research. I believe if you were born after 1972, you will see the Lord one of two ways. Coming in, the, coming in the clouds of glory and you'll be raptured to him or coming back on white horses and you will fight him. If you were born, how many have been born 1972 or later? I think so the majority. And, of course, people my age say, wait a little longer, please, Jesus. There are so many wondered out and said, hello, I'm, I'm, I, I want beautiful land, but I want to go there right now. I mean, that's not, and, 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 and the reason being, there are people in my life, they're at Wendy's, they're at Walmart, they're at Walter's Car Wash. If the Lord, if the Lord comes back, they're going to miss it. And the odds are they may not accept Christ. They may take the mark of the beast. And when they take the mark of the beast, they are eternally damned. So, so. 
So remember, there's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus. And he could come. He could really come at any time. This great revival may take place after the rapture of the church. But the signs of the times are on the, are on the wall. And I want to conclude this morning with, with this thought. Uh, Larry Norman penned these words probably 35, maybe 40 years ago. Life was filled with guns and wars. And everyone got trampled on the floor. Wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the days grow cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. Man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. Wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. What an horrific prophecy. The Bible is so full of love and mercy and grace. All the gifts, all the fruits, all the blessings. Such a positive, encouraging, motivating book. Books like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastics and Song of Solomon, all of those just reminding us of God's love for us and how he sees us through a veil, the bride preparing for her wedding night. But there's also an element of the Bible that talks about destruction and devastation for those that refuse his son. He sent prophets, he sent judges, and then he sent his son. And those that accept his son, the Bible says that already we are marked with a mark. It's invisible. It's in the fourth dimension. You cannot see it. But God's mark is upon your head, and God's mark is upon your hand. And when you hold up your hand to God, he identifies that and receives your praise and receives your worship. There's a generation that is not marked by the hand of God, by the seal of God, by the anointing and favor of God. And should the Lord return before our eyes are opened, if he is not the Lord of their life and the Lord of, of every area of their life, they could possibly miss this sudden coming. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where you fall, what lot you fall, to the left or to the right, to the raptured or to the unraptured, the Pastor Hank, don't embarrass me, but I just want to tell you this morning, this message this morning has got me thinking, I don't want to see half the world destroyed. I don't want to see the oceans I don't want to see the mountain. I don't see the demonic creatures. I don't want to see nuclear war. I don't want to see that kind of shingles, the devastation, the sores, the cancers. I don't want to see that. I want to meet the Lord in the air when he returns. And, but today, I'm not sure that I'm ready. I'm not sure that I'm ready. Don't embarrass me. I just want to let you know I'm not sure. If that's where you're at, just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Is there one? Is there one? I want to wait just a minute. And we believe this morning that we are in a house full of believers looking for the soon return of Jesus Christ with the mission to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Not to, not to shut our mouth, not to lose our love, but to let this world know he's coming, he's coming soon. It may be evening, morning, at noon. He's coming back for those that love him and build his home in us to move away he's coming back for us and he loves us 
Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation, prophetic, thanking him that we are we're ready for his return. Next week, we'll talk about a place called heaven. I believe there really is a place called heaven. I'm going to give you a chance to participate in an offering. There's a reason why we do uh, tithe and offering. I think tithe opens one window. I think offering opens another. And uh, the testimonies of offerings in Hank and Rhonda's life have been uh, have been phenomenal. And it almost seems like the amount of the gift is always reflected in zeros, the same amount. I'll, I'll explain. Uh, this this past this past week, uh, there was a dad that needed uh, some time on his phone, so his kids could call him, so his wife could call him, so his boss could call him, and uh, his phone had run out of time. And uh, I really didn't have I really didn't have the fifty dollar. I I really didn't have it. I got it, and we fired the phone back up. And uh, uh, Pastor Ron and I have been involved in a transition that a certain amount of money uh, was supposed to be released to us. And I don't want to embarrass Pastor Ronna, but she's got a, a tooth that really needs some 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 looking at. And uh, it's about a, about a $5,000 tooth. And it uh, looked like the money that was supposed to be coming to us next week, it looked like that door had closed. The 5000 door had closed. And I made a phone call and made a visit and uh, sat down and we began to talk. And uh, lo and behold, the Lord opened the door for the $5,000 seed uh, to be returned. And so we, when we get back from our, from our journey, Pastor Ronna will be going to her favorite place, the dentist's office. And, uh, but I, I thought, yes, I thought how, I mean, I sow 50. I mean, it seemed like God just starts adding zeros. And uh, I feel like the Lord told Rhonda a long time ago, if we would add a zero to our giving, he would add a zero to our income. That's, that's crazy math. But when you look at God, the minimum God said he would do with your gift is double it. That's the minimum. And then the next blessing is sevenfold. Not seven times, sevenfold. There is a difference. He says some 30, some 60, some 100. When you do the calculations of a hundred, a hundredfold, you cannot, your computer cannot generate enough zeros. I think that's the reason some of us have got to live forever is to enjoy the promise of God here on this earth that we plan.